Hi healers, it's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free, so hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone, and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform, and the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through, while giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinara, and Taylor is unable to be here today. Um, She has some things going on, which happens, but with her lack of presence, I have an amazing special guest um, who I've been actually trying to get on the podcast for a long time, and I know you're super busy. I can see her. You guys can't see her, but um, Julie Manano, I said that right? You right? did. Julie yes. Manano, we're both fellow Italian Americans. Yep. Um, and on Instagram, she is the secure relationship and talks everything that you would want to know about relationships, um, anxious attachment, codependency, communication in relationships. Um, I actually followed her on my from my personal Instagram account for a long time. As I went through all of my dating woes, which you guys, the listeners, all know about because I've been talking about them since the start of our podcast. And I, she has so much great content, and I really wanted to dive deeper a little bit into the difference between anxious attachment and actually anxiety disorder, uh, a little bit more about codependency, and just getting to the root of you know why some relationships maybe are a little bit more... Um, unhealthy. And um, I don't know, just dive deep into it. So thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. It's my pleasure. And before we get started, why don't you um, tell everyone a little bit more about you and kind of how you got into this world of relationships and anxiety and all of that? Sure. Well, so I um, started off wanting to just work with individuals, No, had no interest in in, uh, working with couples. And I had to, at the time, 
to get my hours in for licensing. I had to have some couples hours. So I um, saw my first couple and I thought, wow, this is really hard, but I could see how it could really fit with my style because I'm on one hand, you know, very intellectual and empathic, but on the other hand, I like, I like challenge and um, it just seemed very stimulating, but I didn't know what I was doing. And so I just flew off to the next EFT training, which is the type of work that I do, emotion-focused therapy for couples, which I highly recommend. Uh, and from that point forward, I never saw another, I never took on another individual as a new client from that point forward. I just became absolutely addicted to couples work. And one of the things that I really love about couples work is what I was finding with my individual work is I was creating these beautiful bonds with my clients, um, which I am a big fan of individual work, by the way, it's mm. very necessary, but I was building this bond and I was kind of the secure base for them, giving them, uh, you know, emotional validation and all of these emotional support skills that we as therapists need to be providing to people in order for them to feel safe with us so we can help them heal. That's not the therapy in and of itself, but that is required for the relationship safety. And they were going home to um, relationships where they weren't getting that emotional support. And that was a real problem for me. And so the way that I see it is when I'm working with couples, I'm building that emotional support between the two of them. And that's very fulfilling for me to do. So the, the way that I work is very much individual healing as, as, much, as much as it is relationship healing. So it, for me, it just feels like a very complete way to work. I love that. Well, and I should mention that you're a psychotherapist, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. um, so you're a couples couples counselor. And um, I I love talking to other um, psychologists and therapists and healers mm -hmm. because, um, with my experience, I never want to work wanted to work with couples ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I had a couple sessions with that, and I just knew that there's something in my brain that was automatically biased mm -hmm. with one of them. With and one. I just like, yeah. yeah. And I thought to myself, this would not be good. This is not a good practice to sure. do that, obviously. So I have clinicians I know that I refer out to, but I love hearing that. And I love hearing about what draws you, what draws like therapists mm -hmm. to couples. Um, and I think there's such a different type of like skill and technique that you guys have. It is that, very different. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I just feel like um, I, I can't get there. Um, so I, I guess what I would love to hear more about first would be what we were talking about a little bit before we started recording um, about everyone's been sort of talking this like buzzword of like anxious attachment mm -hmm. and attachment theory. Um, I think because my page is so much about anxiety, mm -hmm. I do post a lot about the anxious attachment and a lot about the anxiety and relationships and insecurities and all of that. But um I don't know if people really understand what it means to be to have anxious attachment and that there actually are other forms of mm -hmm. <laughs> attachment um and being a more insecure attachment style sure. versus secure attachment style and um and also like having an anxiety disorder. So I'd love to hear right. your perspective um about those. Sure. Well, I think that you know there are different term there's different terminology for attachment styles and I would like to see the field come together and agree on um the words because some of them are uh misleading and I, and I use the word anxious attachment um because I think it's the best 
the best we have right now, but I would like to see maybe preoccupied used a little bit more often because then we're separating it from anxiety disorders. Mm. And um, so I guess if I'm answering the question, what's the difference between an anxious attachment and an anxiety disorder is the anxious attachment is exists in the relationship only. Mm. And it's a, it's a response to relationship distress. It's, um, it's a, it's a response to, um, or it's the way that a person goes about trying to get emotional comfort and connection and how they feel when they don't, when they aren't able to predictably get that. And whereas anxiety disorders can be related to lots of different parts of life and someone can actually have an anxious attachment in their relationship, but not have an anxiety disorder. Mm. Um, now a lot of, there's a lot of overlap there. A lot of people that have anxious attachments are going to show up with anxiety and lots of other yeah, parts of their lives. Yeah, I was just thinking, yeah. what would that be like if yeah. I just had it? And yeah, I have it all yeah. over. So yeah, okay. and I mean, some people are just, you know, they're very, I guess the word would be high functioning in lots of parts of their lives. They're very competent in their career and competent, or I'm sorry, I should use the word confident, confident in their career, confident in their friendships. Um, and they don't experience a lot of distress, but then you put them into a relationship context and that can just kind of fall apart because it's a whole different ball game when we're talking about our internal biological drive to stay safe with our loved ones. Gotcha. So, and then, um, another piece of this is that those with avoidant attachments can easily have an anxiety disorder. And they okay. also have anxiety. Mm -hmm. The difference between, you know, everybody has anxiety, first of all, everybody it's in some area. That doesn't yes. mean we all, as you know, have an anxiety disorder. Right. But we all especially are going to experience anxiety from time to time because even the most secure couples have re relationship ruptures and mm -hmm. that's anxiety provoking. Be if it weren't anxiety provoking, we wouldn't try to make a repair. We wouldn't care, right? We would just not care and not try to fix things. So we have to have the anxiety to kind of keep the relationship on track and manage conflict and manage, you know, close togetherness and separateness and all of these things. Um, and so it's really just a matter of how in touch are you with that anxiety and how do you manage the anxiety? And so yeah. avoidant partners are going to have less awareness of the anxiety consciously. However, if you take and study, you know, when they did the original attachment studies and they, you know, the avoidant children were sitting there quietly playing with their toys when they, when the mom left and came back. I don't know if you know about all of these studies. Yeah. Yep. But, okay. They basically, they triggered the babies. They triggered their attachment system and they saw what they did with those triggers. And so the anxious babies were getting really upset and crying and, um, and the, Sorry, my speaker just went off. And the avoidant children showed no visible sign of distress. But when they tested their physiological bodily reactions, guess who was more activated? The avoidant babies. And so that just goes to show you that avoidants are experiencing anxiety. They're just managing it in very different ways. Well, I, I you say that and it just doesn't surprise me at all because if you're not... 
if you're – I mean, obviously, they're both sort of dysregulated physically. Yes. But I know for me, I'm so much more of an anxious attachment after I physically either cry or I'm, you know, uh-huh. outwardly expressing myself. I do kind of get some relief. I can't imagine yes. being an avoidant where I don't have any, like – form of expression and just hold yes. everything in like how yes well that's do what they 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 you know anxious children and adults they learn to manage the anxiety with expressiveness um they they have th- this is the difference they do have some hope that they'll be responded to and so because of that hope they maintain a conscious attachment to the feeling of anxiety because mm-hmm. if I can just be loud enough, if I can just protest loud enough, I might get responded to because every now and then I do. But the yeah. avoidant children, there's really no comfort. There's no emotional responsiveness. And so they completely just give up on the idea altogether and then they just detach from it. Yeah. Well, so I definitely can um, see that I'm more of an anxious attachment style and my boyfriend mm-hmm. now is more avoidant and he's mm-hmm. not so far deep into the Mm -hmm. avoidant. He definitely is able, he has some self-awareness and is able to understand um, himself and his reactions. But in doing this work on myself and just reading more about attachment style, I did, I don't know if you can say yes or no to this, but I did kind of read some information that said that anxious attachment styles are for some reason more attracted to avoidance. Like they end up they end yes. up being in relationships a lot together. Why? Yes. Why is that? Well, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. You know, I would say 100% of the couples that I treat um, fall into an anxious avoidant dynamic. Really? And sometimes, most of the time, that's just their style. And it's just, they've been that style from relationship to relationship. And they developed it during childhood. And it's very clean cut. Sometimes you might have someone that, that a couple that adjusts to each other by creating an anxious avoidant attachment. Maybe they kind of had a tendency to go one way or another outside of the relationship, but then they get into the relationship. The relationship is going to create balance. It's either going to have balance by two people coming together with inner balance, a mm. secure attachment within Or it's Mm -hmm. going to come together and create balance because one person's going to be the anxious one who's trying to close the distance in the relationship. And one person's going to be the avoidant one who's trying to keep things from, keep things stable. So a Mm -hmm. lot of times people, and I can relate to this myself, I'm more emotionally, you know, I, especially, you know, not so much anymore, but I would have a tendency to get way more emotionally dysregulated when I met my husband. And he was the, you know, very calm, very rational, very logical. Mm -hmm. And that was very attractive to me. It felt safe and stable. But really what it was is he was too far to one extreme and I was too far to the other. And so now he's more in touch with his emotions and also his reason. And I'm more in touch in able to self-regulate better and access you know, that frontal lobe, more reasonable place when I'm escalated. And so we're both balanced out now. Yeah, that sounds very similar to And my, just to my add this, avoidant yeah. partners are also attracted to anxious partners because they do the feeling for them. Interesting. Yeah, they provide the passion. They provide the intensity. And a lot of times that's what avoidant partners love about their anxious partners is their yes. aliveness. That but is then, what... My yes. partner recently told me actually yes. about, about me, yeah. um, which which is something for me that's hard to hear a little bit because I'm still working on my own insecurities in mm-hmm. life, period, and about yeah. my body and just like not even about the relationship, just insecurities. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
even like hearing him say that, I my brain automatically goes to how the heck can he like that about me? Yeah. That's like a part of me that I do not like at all. And that's just a lot of history. Yeah. Everyone listening probably knows more about that because I've talked about it a lot. Um, but bringing all of that into mm-hmm. a relationship too is – Well, you probably got a lot of messages growing up and I don't want to psychoanalyze, psychoanalyze you, but that you that the emotional part of you is too much. Mm-hmm. So you've learned to develop shame around that. But totally. yet there's this beautiful piece of it, you know, and there's a dark side to it too with, as with everything and everyone, you know, that emotional part can also be very distressful. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so, and, I, I, so I'm curious too, because, um, how would you say for someone who, who has similar tendencies to like what I just described about me and maybe being someone that was told they were too much growing up and is more insecure in their relationship and, um, they're in a relationship, whether it's with an avoidant or not, like what can the partner, like, what do you see that's helpful for that partner, for that person who is overly emotional or like a mm-hmm. highly, highly sensitive person? Um, and they just are trying and learning to regulate themselves. Mm-hmm. Like what could their, how could their partner help them through that? Okay. Well, first of all, the partner needs to be emotionally engaged enough to be emotionally supportive in the right way. Okay. And so one of the, the absolute number one best thing that another human can do when someone is dysregulated is validate them Mm -hmm. and validate their experience. It, you know, I don't have couples really stay dysregulated in my sessions. Um, I don't have couples that fight and it's because I'm an absolute expert at validating. Mm -hmm. And when I can validate and help someone feel heard, they calm because the the dysregulation is trying so hard to be heard and seen. So if we can get an avoidant partner to be in touch enough with themselves emotionally so that they can feel and validate their partner's experience, that's that's really the the main, you know, number one thing to do, which is let's say, you know, you're you're dysregulated because you didn't hear back from them, right? I'm just using a hypothetical Mm -hmm. example here, but you're saying, I can't believe you didn't respond to me. I was so worried. I was, oh my gosh, I really hear you. I really hear how scared you were in that moment. I'm really, really, really getting it. Mm -hmm. I'm just imagining, you know, that you're sitting there and your heart starts to race and you're really, really worried and you're not getting my response and and you just keep getting more and more worried. I know this is something you struggle with. That person isn't really taking ownership for any behaviors and they may or may not. It doesn't matter though, because what they're doing is they're just really helping you in this situation, hypothetically, feel felt, heard, understood, seen. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, that's what you're looking for. Right. Yeah. And then maybe later we go into problem solving. All right. How can we, you know, talk about this? And maybe the partner says, Hey, listen, I got to be able to have my own space sometimes and not always get back to you right away. There's room for that later. That doesn't mean that we have to accommodate everything the other person wants, but first we got to get through that emotional support piece. And that's what anxious partners just didn't get that as children. And so the trigger, it's not necessarily the event that creates the trigger. It's the, the past wounds around the being triggered and what's going to happen if I'm triggered. That's that second layer of needing the emotional support. 
And what if your partner has a very hard time finding the language to know how to validate? Well, you have to learn it. You know, unfortunately, it's a learned it's a learned skill. We don't if we don't get a lot of it growing up, mm -hmm. then we just we have to go on my Instagram site and learn the words for it or yep. you know, go to a type of therapy. I mean, a, a lot of what I'm doing is just giving my my couple's words to give to each other. But I do it in a way that I find the authenticity. Before I have one partner say it to the other partner, I I have to find that authenticity within them. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not really trying to sit here and plug myself, but I am coming out with Please a book too. in a year from now. It'll be released. And it, yes. you know, a lot of the book is just devoted to teaching people how to be emotionally supportive. And that's a big piece of the book is teaching validation skills. And, and really amazing. what it is, it's just really being able, it's, it's a, it's a, almost like an expression of empathy. Empathy is an experience. Validation mm -hmm. is putting that experience of empathy into words and saying, mm -hmm. I get it. I see you. I hear mm -hmm. you. I'm really stepping into your world. I don't get worried when I don't care back from you, but I know what it's like to feel worried. And it's a mm -hmm. terrible feeling. Totally. Yeah. Wow. So, um, okay. Just going to ask you a, a question regarding my personal Sure. relationship right now that I think other people could relate to. So um, when there are certain conversations that when I'm expressing my needs that I definitely feel like I'm kind of already heated and emotional, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in that state where I'm crying and I just already feel activated and right. just dysregulated. Um, and he becomes very defensive initially. Mm -hmm. And so – it's like that defensiveness obviously is not the healthiest way to respond to someone who's highly emotional. You know, the validating would be so great, but he eventually gets to a point where he does know how to mm -hmm. say and validate me when we both kind of take a break sometimes and then we come right. back together. And so the way we we resolve things are act is actually really healthy. But initially Wonderful. it's like this defensiveness that <laughs> that he has that kind of ignites me even further. And I just – how do I – what am I supposed to do in that situation? Like for me, I guess I'm, I'm I can control myself only, and right. I'm just like, like we're we're both basically we both feel like we don't hear each other at all. Yes, well, but both of you in that moment are dysregulated. It's just yeah. showing up in very very different ways. The anxious partner is more expressive and gets bigger with that dysregulation, yeah. yes. while the avoidant partner looks calmer, just like what I said about the babies in the study, and they their defensive words are coming out, you know, maybe so maybe a little heated, but not as dysregulated as you're appearing. But the inside, the dysregulation is equal. And mm -hmm. so there's no good that's going to come out of that place where two people are dysregulated. Um, so and, and not just dysregulated, but going into their protective places mm -hmm. because of that dysregulation. So what needs to happen is someone's got to either get regulated, self-regulated, so that they can show up in a regulated way that's going to now help and in, in be validating and do these emotional support skills I'm talking about. So that can help co-regulate the other person mm -hmm. if that's not possible transparency is the second best option, which is I'm dysregulated right now. Mm -hmm. We're dysregulated right now. We, we need to take a break. That's, that's the co-regulation. 
but again, we, we flip back to someone's got to be regulated enough to do that. The anxious partner needs to be able to tolerate that break. And part of the toleration is trusting that we can get through a break and that there is going to be and this, we are going to be able to come back to that. And the avoidant partner, I mean, they're in they're They have the advantage over here because for them, it's easier to take a break because they get to, that's their defense mechanism, right? Yes. Well, they, they got to do it in a way that we're going to come back to this. They're come, you know, stepping out of their comfort zone is let's come back in 20 minutes. Right. Like it's not just going to be an indefinite, I'm going to go distract myself. Right. Exactly. Get out of this pain. So both people need to be willing to bend. The anxious partner needs to be willing to take the break and the avoidant partner needs to be able to agree to come back. If that can't happen, then we just have to recognize, hey, we're we're not in a place where we can make any agreement. And you know, we've been we've been down this road before and we got out of it. We will be able to regulate. Um it's you know, it's really important to learn how to feel feelings instead of trying to get your feelings to go away by talking about something right then and there mm-hmm. or distracting from your feelings. So um, during that phase, you know, where you need to go self-regulate, my favorite way of self-regulating, and you probably know a lot more about this than I do, um, is just learning how to feel. Yeah. And learning yeah. how to get through those big feelings into the grief part. For sure. And and also some shame that comes with that. Yeah, absolutely. For, for people that have, mm-hmm. have that anxiety part because I still feel so much so ashamed when I have those big outbursts. And kind of like I was saying before, why – my brain just automatically goes to that place of why would someone want to be with, with someone that is this yeah. reactive. And so my brain just automatically – feel so ashamed that I'm so reactive. Right. And that he's, you know, still and and in my mind I'm just like is he still going to be there? Is he still going to be there? So subconsciously, yes. you know, I we talk about self-sabotage a little bit too. I don't know if mm-hmm. that goes into yep, that. Absolutely. That's the negative cycle. You're just making, you know, people get into that cycle and they're actually perpetuating what doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. Cuz I Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I wanted to say sometimes it can be, you know, I really, one of the ways that I regulate people is I de-shame their moves, which is that reactiveness is, is adaptive. There's a reason, a really good reason that you're doing it. You came by it. Honestly, you're Mm -hmm. desperate. You're desperate Mm -hmm. for help. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Mm -hmm. Hear me, hear me, hear me, see me, see me, see me. There's nothing wrong with wanting those things. It's just the way that you're going about trying to get it is not going to work. And so I'm here to give you better tools to get those needs met. Um, And there's no shame around the fact that you never learned those tools. I think that's something that I think everyone should probably say multiple times a day to themselves, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? That like- we we have the skills that we were taught, right? And we've all had different life experiences too, right? So, so many right. of the voices, anxious voices I hear in my head probably have a lot have to do with, I was bullied pretty bad from yeah. a lot of boys in, in elementary school. Oh, so this really this sad. Valid, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I, I talk yeah. a lot about, I'm starting to talk a lot more about it on my page. Um, but, you know, just being able to connect the dots the last 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years of my life that- the reassurance that I need from like relationships with men mm-hmm. 
it's that stems from just this insecurity and just hearing these things that you know were so mean said to me um but also recognizing that within this work being able to to talk to myself and reassure myself right. like i'm not yeah. i can't just and we're going to get into codependency now because sure. i have read a lot about how i can't just depend on my partner to reassure me all the time and to mm-hmm. give me every single thing i need and to just make me feel you know like i'm not going to depend on him to change my feelings when i'm feeling sure. dysregulated all the time you know there is there is dependency that we that couples have that I think right. is healthy, um, but can you kind of talk a little bit more about sure. that? It, well, it's like it, I like to think of it as instead of I need you to make me feel a certain way, it's can you help me out here? Hmm. It's helping. It's like I can. You, you need to be able to cook yourself a meal, right? That's a life skill that is really yeah. important because you don't always have someone around to cook for you. But when you're in a partnership, it's nice to help each other cook. You know, it's nice to share that burden. And so that's the same way with that I see emotional support is um, I can give myself emotional support. I can validate myself. I can find this, you know, I want everybody that I work with to develop an, an inner, some kind of inner strong place, an inner parent, and some spiritual inner strength. Um, People have all sorts of different ways of developing this. Maybe their authentic self is their strong place. And um, that's the part that you find to draw strength and comfort comfort from. Um, There's a lot of of movement in the EFT world right now toward developing spirituality as a secure base within because people who grew up with a secure attachment from their parents, they they integrated an inner secure parent into themselves. Mm -hmm. So they have that inner parent. And for people who didn't get that, we can find it through spirituality. Or again, it doesn't have to be spirituality. It can be anything. Hold on. My Siri is kicking in because it's hearing me say, okay. Okay. Um, And so I kind of hope I'm not getting off track here, but um, we want people to have that ability to self-regulate and find this part of themselves that they can comfort with used to comfort, but we also want people to have the resources from others because nothing feels as good as having someone else there to comfort us when we're in distress. That doesn't mean we need to rely on it, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I just, I want to respond to that because I think that's been a huge part of my healing too, is recognizing that, um, I am able when I feel very dysregulated or my I'm having this spirals of just intrusive thinking and just feel mm-hmm. like I'm getting into a dark space that I I don't need to run to my mom or my sister mm-hmm. or or my best friend like or they're not I I shouldn't uh, have to just okay sorry can you, you cut out but you're back yeah oh okay um yeah, I shouldn't I shouldn't be depending on that mm-hmm. one person to regulate me at those moments. Like I do need to have sort of a toolkit, right? Which is what I talk a lot about in my book, mm-hmm. The Anxiety Healer's Guide is creating a toolkit of resources sure. that help me self-soothe and regulate um and cognitively also, I, like cognitive mm-hmm. exercises that can help me um sure. All just kinds feel of stuff, safe right? again and um yeah, I think I think 
that has probably been the most empowering thing for me is knowing that, oh, okay, um, yes. like the other day, I just felt really dysregulated with my boyfriend and I was quiet for like an hour or two. He wasn't really acknowledging that something was wrong, but he kind of probably knew something was wrong, but was leaving me alone a little bit. And ultimately, I really worked on my – I just kind of said to myself, okay, I felt like – and when, when this happens, I just want to cry automatically. Yeah. I just go to crying. Yeah. Um, was okay. I kind of took a walk and I took deep mm -hmm. breaths. I did text one of my friends. She wasn't mm -hmm. around, but I did. But even just texting mm -hmm. her and getting it out kind of made yeah. me feel better, just getting the texting out. And then I cognitively was like – you know, asked me those those exercises that as a CBT therapist, you know, uh -huh. I I asked myself questions, you know, what's actually true right now? What are the facts? Like, is this really true that, you know, he, someone wasn't as excited to see you today? But is that, mm -hmm. that what percentage is, you know, like, and, and I actually did feel better. And I was able to have a conversation with my boyfriend from a non-reactive state, wow. from a non-emotional state. And it was like such a great conversation. Yeah. I'm just I, was kidding. So proud I mean, <laughs> I feel just like lit up inside because this is, this is it, you yeah. know, this is the work. And it's like, when you said that word empowering, I really don't think there are many things in life that are more empowering than what you just described. Because I mean, I, we're yeah, facing ourselves. Like the, the biggest fear is how we're going to feel right. When we're in pain. Uh, 100%. And I just felt so um, in control. Mm -hmm. I felt so out of control for like two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And then I just felt so much more in control of things. And I said to myself, oh my gosh, like that really doesn't matter. Like that really doesn't mean this because of this right. happened. And then when I right. talked to my boyfriend about it, he totally solidified everything that was rational in my mind. He's like, yeah, that doesn't mean that, whatever. I was like, you're right. And um, it, I was brought back to that place of when I was younger yeah. and just why I needed, you know, I felt really just insecure about my body that day. And I uh -huh. wanted him to just tell me how pretty I was all the time. And then, you know, of course he does, but um, you don't really hear it like that when you're right. in that place. When you're, when, you're, <laughs> when you're dependent on it and desperate for it, you can't really take it in anyway. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to y'all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. BetterHelp makes it so easy to log onto your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. 
So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash the anxiety chicks. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash the anxiety chicks and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. Yeah, I was just really um, proud of myself, and I, I just wanted to share that because I think that if anyone listening has had those moments, mm-hmm. um, and maybe they're far and few in between, you know, I probably have more reactive emotional moments than that one, but but I can't minimize that, right? Like that mm-hmm. that was such a great moment for me, and I'm really going to try and work on <laughs> doing that more well, often, but. I think you're bringing up a really good point here because a lot of times people think of self-regulating as like, I've just got to push through this pain. I've got to push through the pain. It's more, it's like a, a tolerating pain process, but really it's the best feeling ever at the end of it. It's an empowering process. I think of it, you know, when I had one of my children without, with natural childbirth, I really wanted to do it. It was really important to me. And so I took these classes and I learned how to, um, stay with the pain instead of mm. distracting from the pain. And for mm. me, that was the key was to dive into it and stay with it. And mm. I mean, I just felt like the strongest person in the world after that, because you feel like, wow, I can tackle anything. And the, and oh. these emotions that we have that are distressing, they're that painful. I mean, you know, well, that's a- I mean, Go ahead. That's incredible. No, I'm just, yeah. I think that's wonderful that that you did that. And listen, there's nothing more um, anxiety provoking than having a child. That is nothing more unpredictable sure. than a child. <laughs> so right. I, I give yeah. you such credit. Right. And I, I mean, I want to, I'm all about strong women, you know, and so to, to be able to, to uh, ride these emotional waves that we have that are part of, you know, our wiring to some degree, because we do need, you know, unfortunately, we're the ones in the cave breastfeeding the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to be emotionally and this is very serious. I'm, you know, very speaking very generally here, but we are evolutionarily speaking more emotional creatures because we need to be in tune yeah. um, for certain, you know, things. And so we have to deal with the, the dark side of that, which is sometimes overwhelmed with that attunement. Right. Um, so I want to just switch gears because I want to make sure, um, I, I ask you this question because I think we've gotten a lot of questions like this from listeners and people on my page. Um, but how, when do you know if a relationship is, worth like continuing the work and Mm -hmm. maybe you're just not right for each other? Okay. Well, the number one thing is that there's a negative cycle that couples get stuck in. So Mm -hmm. let's just say that you weren't able to go on that walk and get yourself back into a, you know, your, you know, the window of tolerance, I'm assuming that, Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. You know, people know different words for different concepts. Yeah. Yeah. um, So going into your, you weren't able to get back into your window and let's say you went to your boyfriend from that reactive state, what would have happened? Well, definitely would have been another thing that happened. I mean, these, it just would have been for me another, so yeah, a cycle, 
It would have yes. been another. Yes. You would have, have been come the in hot in yeah. probably a blaming way or, may, you mm-hmm. know, and then he would have gotten hot and felt mis- misunderstood because that's clearly we, un- we learned that that's not what was in his mind. And he would have gotten defensive and maybe attacked back. And then you just would have been stuck in that pattern. Yes. Okay. And so when couples get stuck in that chronically, it, it erodes their trust and safety and their relationship. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if they're stuck in that place. Is this the problem? Or if they're communicating in the most healthy way possible, are they still just kind of incompatible, like want different Mm -hmm. things out of life, don't enjoy the same activities. So we have to first clear out the negative cycle and get them communicating in a healthy way. My job as a couples therapist is not to keep couples together. It's to help them communicate in a healthy way. And at the end of the therapy, they have a very healthy, secure conversation about breaking up. I've done my job. And I have done that. I've had that happen before. It's like, hey, we're not, we're not a good fit. We want different things out of life, you know? And so um, that's the first step is, is getting that negative cycle, getting the communication cleaned up so we can actually see what the relationship is underneath that um, and rule that out. And then the second thing is if there's a, you know, we have relationship ruptures, all couples have relationship ruptures where we go into a negative cycle and we you know, we get into a fight that we don't want to be in, we're, we're tired, we're hungry. Um, is that the climate of the relationship where it's like you're kind of in this tense, yucky place all the time? Or are those periods of weather where the climate mm. is most of the time we feel connected and our attachment needs are met, but we have these ruptures and then we can repair them and get back to our climate of good weather? Or is the climate yucky? And mm-hmm. sometimes the climate can start out really well with new couples because they haven't had enough time to have enough unhealed ruptures. And then the weather becomes the climate over time. And so mm-hmm. if you're walking around and the climate's pretty bad and you just don't feel good most of the time, then something needs to change. And then we yeah. get, then we come de- back to how much hope is it? How much hope is actually there that things can change? And the hope is if it if you've tried everything and you're working 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 and one or both of you aren't able to find a place of regulation and one person wants to work the other person doesn't that takes away the hope and then you know that's a good sign you're right. miserable and there's no hope right totally and i love that you said um that you know when you when couples come to see you it's not just fixing a relationship because I think a lot of people think of couples counseling as, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we're going to go to this and then it's going to be better. That's not what that is about. Well, it's going to be better. I want it to be better, but that doesn't mean that the relationship remains a romantic committed relationship, mm-hmm. but they are okay. communicating in a better way. A lot of people have right. to co-parent together. Right. You know, a lot of people want to learn these skills for the next relationship right? That no matter what, I want them to be able to have a healthier relationship, right. whether whatever the future of that relationship looks like. Right. That's yeah. such a great way to put it, for sure. Like, it, yeah, it might not, the outcome might mm-hmm. not be, right, of our manic partner anymore, but there will be tools and skills that you will have learned about yourself and will have learned in general about relationships that will help you in the future. 
Yeah. And if you keep communicating with this person in a negative cycle, you're just building neural pathways around communication styles that don't work. Hmm. So I'm, I have the opportunity to use this relationship in front of me to help you become the best person you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. I mean, I, it's, I, I feel like I could talk about this for, for so I know, long right? <laughs> and I am learning. So, so this is actually full disclosure. Um, my first long-term relationship, like we're a year and something now Aww, and I've never really had. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so I think that all being so new for me too is I've been in, I've been in other relationships that have been longer, but um, looking back now, I can see the pattern of myself so much and attracting Uh different types of men that were very, very avoidant. And, Uh um, and so that's really cool that you're getting out of that pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like day by day um, that with what I'm, our situation is, has to be day by day right now. But, Uh um, I am learning so much about myself. I really am in relationships and outside yes. of relationships. Gonna br- and- relationships are going to bring it all up. Like, like all, all yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I say, you um, know, outside of the relationship, you can, you know, be humming along just mm-hmm. fine, but then it's a whole different ball game, you know? Yeah. And I've been, I've been recognizing too that, um, there's so much of my like so much of my anxiety in the relationship is um is like my expectations that the expectations that where I'm supposed to be in my relationship and in my life at my age from society and my mm-hmm. family are making me feel like I need like I'm giving there's so many expectations and pressures I put on the relationship because of right. what I think I it needs to look like and right. where I'm supposed yep. to be at 42 and all of these things that I say to myself, like where I'm supposed to, like it's not moving fast enough and all this stuff. And when I actually sit back and I just enjoy him right. <laughs> when yes. we're together, and- like none of that's a problem. Yeah. So I, I, my couples therapist hat wants to say, how does all that anxiety around all these expectations then show up in the relationship? Yes, right. It, then, yes. yeah, it probably is going to show up in a negative cycle yes. unless you're being transparent and talking about it and saying, you know, here's what happens for me a lot of the time. Are you, are mm. you able to talk to your partner openly about those feelings? Yeah. If so I, that's a, yeah. Yeah. I don't know you if you're asking that, me, I could I tell want, you. <laughs> yes. I would go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. No, I don't know if you were oh. really asking me. I'm like, I try to. Yes, I do. Yes, I then do. that's great. You, because it's you, like you said, when you texted your friend, it didn't make the pain. Nothing really changed about the situation, but just putting the, the that inner experience out there is healing in and of itself. So it's the conversation about the worries that can actually heal the worries if you're not acting them out. Instead, by saying, when are we going to get married? You know, when are, you know, why did you look at me like that? Thinking that now, now I'm going to get abandoned. And so, but yes. you're, oh my gosh. What, to come full circle is that when you don't have that anxiety, you can just sit and enjoy the moment, which is what's going to make it more likely to last because it feels good. Hmm. I love that. So you're just finding a different yes. way to get 
to get those expectations met mm-hmm. if that's what you're wanting to do. I think in my mind, for some reason, I didn't think that relationships would be this much work. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah, I just didn't imagine it would be like so much work. But I think – and I – and I used to be scared of saying that because I felt like be saying that means that I'm we're not compatible, like we're not supposed to be together uh-huh. if it's so much work. Um, but I think it would have been so much work for me, no matter what type of guy I was with, because this is such a new, this is right. a new type of experience that I think I probably would have been the same way with any type of yeah. I mean, I think not. it's going to reflect the amount, the level of work it is, is going to reflect how your brain was wired around relationships growing up or Mm -hmm. in really impactful situations as an adult or being bullied. You know, if you didn't have those experiences and everything with relationships was super smooth, which for most people it's not, then it is more second nature and not a lot of work. But most of us didn't have that experience. So we have stuff to work through. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been so amazing and I'm just, I love this. And I know I think we're scheduled for an Instagram live at some point and I'm so excited for that too. So stay tuned for that y'all. And I know you said you, you wanted to ask me about my book. I would love to send you a copy. Please don't. Yes. Okay. What's the name of it? It's called the anxiety healers guide. Um, uh, Sorry. (laughs) I'm going to have to turn the Siri off somehow because it keeps, okay. Yeah. Um, it's called The Anxiety Healer's Guide, Coping Strategies and Mindfulness Techniques to Calm the Mind and Body. Okay. I need a pen. <laughs> so I know. Well, Just give I me will, the first. Okay. The Anxiety Healer's Guide. That's Got all it. you need to, okay. to yeah put in um, just to learn more about it. If this, if you go to the link in my bio, you can um, just learn about it. it, it but I'm going to, I'm going to send you a copy. So don't, Great. don't order it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a more holistic practitioner. So mm-hmm. um, it's essentially filled with hundreds of coping strategies That's and amazing. breathing exercises, yeah. visualization techniques. I love it. That's um, awesome. To help you create your own healing yeah. toolkit. Um, and so it, it, the whole introduction talks about how to monitor yourself and rate the anxiety you have and practice all of the exercises before creating your toolkit and all mm-hmm. of that. So um, I did create it also. Uh, even though I'm, you know, really talking a lot about anyone being able to use this book, I think it is so amazing for clinicians. Like I use mm-hmm. it with my clients, um, especially from a standpoint for me, I like to give my clients some homework, quote unquote, or things to sure. work on before the next session. So I'll kind of ask them to practice a couple exercises before and rate themselves before and after. Sure. And so it can be really good for clinicians too. So um yeah, that sounds be great. And I like how you can tailor it to each specific person by, it sounds like, by choosing different tools as opposed to oh, yeah, you know, yeah. a one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah, it's essentially what I wish I had in the last 20 years that I could just mm-hmm. bring with me wherever I was going because people have been DMing me saying, oh, I brought this on the plane, airplane with me, uh-huh. reminded me some of the tools that I needed. I brought this to a family party and I needed to remember. So um, it's, and and I give an example of my toolkit in there too, in like chapter nine. Uh-huh. So it's just, um, it's just something that I, I've had notes on, I feel like for years right. and just compiled it <laughs> into a book. Well, it's, it's, um, it sounds very similar to my book, also, which is, but it's just those tools are for couples instead of um, anxiety management tools. They're emotional support 
In fact, I have one chapter called the Emotional Support Toolbox. So I love um, that. Yeah. Well, and I can't wait. So, I know yours is a little further out, but I yes, let me know yeah. when I'll for I'll sure. Grab it. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you one. That's so great. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Um, I appreciate this so much. I know we talked a lot about my experience, but you guys, I hope. You know, I think I'm not alone with with people going through what I'm going through. I can promise um, you that, you know, um, 99% of the people listening can relate to a lot of what you're saying. I treat yes. the same couple over and over, really. I I bet. I yes. know. I knew it, too, when I started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing, too. He's – I've been seeing a therapist for a while, a marriage and family therapist, and uh-huh. – um, I had asked for him to maybe like go with me a couple times or just like get some and he he agreed to it. So I'm like, I think that's like a good step. I'm trying to, you know, normalize going to therapy as a couple, not even being, you know, just like any time, like just normalize going to therapy as a couple, whether you're married or not. If I could get couples in before things get out of hand, I mean, it would change the world, you know. It's so much easier to clean it up um, before it gets really entrenched and a lot of lot it's harder to heal multiple wounds and bigger wounds which is what happens for sure yeah not being yeah prepared along the way so yeah well thank you so You're much welcome. can you, you tell everyone where they can find you or your website oh, sure. all it's stuff. um at the secure relationship and that's on instagram and there are multiple imposter accounts um, the newest one is that. the secure relationship. Oh, great. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, all kinds of underscores and double eyes. And, and so the, I cannot get verified. I don't know what's going on. I apply I'm the same. I, the really? Same it's, I, I, and heard, I work with someone at Meta was like trying to help me. Even oh, get really? Verified and, could, and I, no. do you know why? Have you gotten any feedback as nope. to why? Me I have neither. no idea. Yeah, I could not even my agency could get me verified. I mean, it's oh really gosh. bizarre. I've heard I heard through some commenter, and who knows how true this is, that they stopped the verification process. So I that, would believe that. Yeah, that could be the case. Um, but the so the only way to know that the the account is actually mine is I'm the only I think I have like in the eight hundred thousands, like mm-hmm. eight hundred and forty nine thousand followers, yeah. somewhere around there. And the other ones have only like maybe a maximum of a thousand or something. And okay. That, like it, they, they make it so exactly the same pictures, everything they wait. The second I post something, they post it. So truly the only way to differentiate is the follower count. Okay. And you yeah. do say it on your, do they yes. say it on your page too? Or you say, yes. okay. I say it, I had to change my profile to that, which is really unfortunate, but Ugh. what they're doing is they're um, impostering and then they're following my followers yes. with this fake name and then um, trying to sell psychic readings to my followers for $80. And That's been happening to that. me. Oh, oh my God. No. Yes. That's okay. been happening to me lately. Yes. And I've been posting on my stories, report this. I mean, I get DMs yep. all the time of these fake accounts now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's happening. And then <sighs> I've that? reported them and reported them. And the response I get from Instagram is, this, this doesn't meet our cr- criteria yes. for shutting them down. So what does, you know? 
Well, it's we could go into a rabbit hole about yes, I know the algorithm know. and stuff that's happening in Instagram. It's actually been yes. really a big headache, but yeah. I am glad because it connected me and you together. So <laughs> I know there's a lot to be grateful for about so, them, and I hate to be too much of a complainer, but no, <laughs> I, really I was, would like that blue check. It would save I, a lot of trouble. I agree, <laughs> and I talk so much about that in my stories too. Just yeah. the headache of it all. Um, yeah, but I'm so glad so, you were able to. We were able to figure this out. I know there were little kinks before, but. But um, yeah. I'm excited to go live too in the future and let's, um, do let's it. maybe collaborate on a post or something too. I would I'll love be that. That'd be great. I think we we uh, merge very well together, our material. So Definitely. And I will yeah. be sending you a book. I'll, I'll DM you or I'll email you for an address. Okay, perfect. All okay. right. All right. Thanks, Allison. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.